to podcast later. Amen. And so we want to be able to, you know, deal with those questions. Is the Bible true? Um, you know what I'm saying? And have you ever asked that question? Is the word of God true? How can we prove that? We know that we believe the word. We know that we walk by faith and not by sight. But how do we prove you as a believer, especially in terms of, you know, because people say if God is on the throne, why do good, why do bad things happen to good people? Why is all of this stuff going on? Why is this virus, um, um, ravaging our world, not just our country, but our world, if God is God. And so this is why we have to be able to establish a biblical worldview because you have to be able to answer, you know what I'm saying, these kinds of questions, you know, and be and, and have a good understanding of history, of scripture, and be able to prove to others that the Bible is true, that Jesus is Lord, and he is the son of God, and that God is God, and that he created the heavens and earth. And so we're going to get into that. All right. <clears throat> so the purpose of us studying this is so that we would have evidence for some of the basic things that we talk about in scripture or some of the basic claims of scripture. We know that the Bible says this. We talk about it. But how can we prove it? And so you as a believer should be able to prove these things because you are a believer. How, you know, how can a scientist prove their theory if, you know what I'm saying, they don't have any scientific data? That's why they do um, trials. That's why, you know what I'm saying, you know, they have experiments because they want to be able to prove that their theories are correct. And unfortunately, even in science today, there are some theories that are being followed, and we're going to talk about some of that, um, there's some theories that are being followed that are not biblical, all right, not only are they not biblical, but they're unfounded, there's no proof to it, okay, and here's the thing, I'm trying to get this right, there we go, you know, here's the thing, we need to be able to prove it, can you prove it, this, this is, this is a generation of prove it to me, how do I know that what you're saying is true? How do I know that the Bible is right? How do I know that, you know, what you're saying is, is reality? So we're going to look at some of these claims that the Bible makes. Let's look at Hebrews 11 and 6 real quick. And we're going to go through quite a few verses of scripture on tonight. Hebrews chapter 11. <coughs> Excuse me, because I'm using all my devices. This has been paper Bible week. <laughs> Hallelujah. Excuse me. It's pretty warm in here. So my throat is a little dry. So please excuse me. Coughing. Amen. I am well. Hallelujah. <laughs> you know, we get to coughing and everybody start looking around. Lord Jesus. Amen. We're going to the book of Hebrews. Hallelujah. And we want to look at Hebrews 11 and we're going to look at verse 6. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. And verse 6 says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now, we want to establish a couple of things because, you know, we need to understand that God does exist. And there are infallible proofs in scripture that tell us, excuse me, that God does exist. How do we know that? First of all, we read in here in Hebrews 11 and 6 that without faith, it's impossible to please, to please God. But he that cometh to God, if you're going to come to God, you have to first believe that he is. Let's establish that. You're not going to go to God if you don't believe he exists. You're not going to even approach him. You know, um, you know how sometimes they do it. They do this in movies all the time. Lord, if you're really there, 
Well, why are you talking to him if he's not really there? That means you're just talking to yourself. Lord, if you're really there, I'm not going to be talking to God like that. I'm going to God, Lord, in Jesus' name. This, 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 this. Amen. So we need to be able to establish the fact that God does exist. Okay. And what does the scripture say? The scripture says that he exists and he rewards those that diligently seek him. Not he does not that he rewards those that follow what their parents say. Okay, now we, we, we're not talking about children being disobedient, but we're talking about even as adults. Sometimes we believe stuff because we learned it as children growing up. Amen. So I'm trying to establish for you that, you know what I'm saying? To please God, we have to believe. You know what I'm saying? That he exists and that he rewards those that diligently seek him. If we're going to please God, it's not just following what the preacher says. It's not just following what I'm saying to you. It's following, amen, what his word says. Believing that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. God is not going to have you praying and seeking him and then he does not answer you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. All right. Genesis 1 and 1. Tells us in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. Genesis 1 and 1. This establishes the fact that we are not just here because of the Big Bang Theory. We're not going to get into that too deep. You know what I'm saying? Because I want to keep some things basic because I want to establish a few things here. Establish a, 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 a foundation here on the basics of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Even in crisis. Jesus is still the Christ. He is still Lord. He is still Savior. He is still, amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Still on the throne. Okay. So number one, the Bible claims that God does exist. And we looked at Hebrews 11 and 6. And we also looked at Genesis or we we quoted Genesis 1 and 1 as our proofs that God exists. And that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him in good times and bad times when we understand, when we don't understand. You know what I'm saying? When things when things are going our way, when things are going awry, when we're under pressure, when we're in, in blessing season, when we're stuck in the house, when we can go out. We, God is still a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Okay? Now, the Bible also tells us that God, amen, God's will, amen, is infallible. And that the word of God, the word of God is infallible, that the it reveals God It is a revelation of his will, that the Bible is a revelation of God's will. How do we know this? How do we know this? Is this because we just making it up? And we want to say it. Let's look at let's look at Second um, Timothy. Let's go to the book of Second Timothy real quick. <coughs> Excuse me. Second Timothy, chapter three. We're going to look at verse 16 and 17. Okay, when somebody tells you, well, where does it say in the Bible that the Bible is the word of God? How can you prove that? Well, let's take it to the word. Let's let's take you to the word. You know what I'm saying? The scripture says, amen. Verse 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect and thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Okay. Where did the scriptures come from? They are inspired. All scripture is given by inspiration. 
Who wrote the Bible? All scripture is given by inspiration. It's not just man's thoughts. It's not what somebody else thought up. All scripture is given by inspiration. Okay. You need to be able to be established in that, that the word of God is inspired by the spirit of God. And it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correct, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Why? That the man of God may be perfect and thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Okay. So if somebody says to you, well, where'd the Bible come from? You need to take them to second Timothy three, 16 and 17. All scripture is God breathed. It is revealed by God. God inspired. Just like we know that God speaks to us. We can hear the Holy Spirit speak to us. God spoke by his spirit through men of God. And they wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost and penned the scripture. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, also, when you go to 1 Corinthians. Chapter 14, let's look at that real quick. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians the 14th chapter. How do we know that this is the word of God? How do we know that these are not just words? How do we know that this is not just somebody just sharing their experiences? I'm going to read it to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. We're going to look at verse 37. We are talking about developing our biblical worldview. Understand it. Number one, that Jesus is Lord and that the word of God, everything that we do is based on the word of God. You need to know this. Oh, believer, you need to know this. You might want to know revelation. Here's revelation for you right here. You need to be established, amen, in the foundation of the scripture. And because we have not been founded in the foundation of the scripture, we have not been grounded, rather, in the foundation of scripture. And many of us have been, we love to preach. We want to preach. We want to go forth. We want to say God has anointed us. But we cannot prove what we believe and why we believe what we believe. And that's the sad part. You got a prophecy, you, but you don't understand that. the. How can you prove that this is the word of God? OK. All right. Can you take somebody through the scripture and show them that this is the word of God? All right. So let's go to first uh, Corinthians. We're going to first Corinthians chapter 14. And we're going to look at verse 37. Verse 37 says, if any man think himself to be a prophet, uh oh. Or spiritual, uh-oh, let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. Listen, this is not opinion. These are the commandments of the Lord. Whose commandments? God's commandments. This, this throws everything else out the water. I don't care if you're a prophet. I don't care if you are spiritual. I don't care if you think you got another revelation. This word, the word of God that has been inspired by God, breathed out by God, spoken to man by the spirit of God. These are the commandments of the Lord. Listen, let's establish that fact on tonight. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. So Paul is explaining that. You can also look at uh, Ephesians chapter three, verses three through five. We're not going to go to all these verses, but I want to make sure I give them to you. Ephesians chapter three, verses three through five. Second Peter chapter one, verse twenty one and first Thessalonians chapter two, verse 13. Let me say those again. 
Ephesians 3, 3 through 5, 2 Peter 1 and 21, and 1 Thessalonians 2 and 13. The word of God, the Bible is the infallible revelation of God's will, period. The word of God, the Bible, the scripture is the revelation of God's will. How do we know? Because all scripture is God breathed and has been given to us for 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 our instruction, for doctrine, for reproof, for correction. And these are the commandments of the Lord. Hallelujah. Paul made it plain. I'm sure there were some who were trying to uh, 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 trying to come against the authority of scripture. But here you have it. All right. All right. So the Bible claims that Jesus is the son of God. How do we prove that? How do we prove? Amen. What what does the scripture say about Jesus being the son of God? Let's go to John chapter 20. I know some of y'all probably thought we was going to say John chapter three and do John three sixteen. You can go there, too. <coughs> Excuse me. We want to go to John chapter 20. The Bible claims, the Bible says, there we say, and we say that Jesus is the Son of God. What is our proof? Let's look at John chapter 20. And I know while we, some of us are at home and we're looking for some deep, deep, deep revelation, I want us to be established and founded in truth. So that while we are going through times like this, and I thank God that this is not something that we just started. We started this Bible study before all of this stuff hit because this is what God said we needed to do, that we needed to get founded in his word. And I thank God that the Lord is so much smarter than us. He knows better than we do. Hallelujah. What we need to do, what we need to hear, what is going to help establish us. He knew that the storm was already brewing and that we needed to be founded on the foundation of his word. Can nobody lay no other foundation than that that's already laid. So we're going to have to bust up whatever is there that's not like God and teach what the Bible says and lay a right foundation. Hallelujah. Amen. So John chapter 20, we're going to, let's look at verse 26. Okay. The Bible says, or the Bible claims, if we're talking about claims, the Bible claims that Jesus is the Son of God. How do we establish that? Amen. John 20, verse 26 says, and after eight days, again, his disciples were with him and Thomas with them. They came to, then came Jesus, the doors being shut. Here they are shut in because they was afraid. Shut in like we shut in right about now. Hello. And here God reveals himself. Y'all better catch this. That's not even part of the Bible study. But y'all better catch this, that while you're in the house with the door shut, Jesus could walk in. Hallelujah. He could show up. He could, amen, show up on the scene. He could, amen, come in. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And visit you where you are. That's a whole sidebar. That's a whole nother sidebar. Whole nother message. Hallelujah. Amen. And he stood in the midst and said, peace be unto you. I'm telling you, I can run with that right there. Then saith he to Thomas, reach hither thy finger and behold my hands and reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side and be not faithless, but believing. Amen. Now, I know we're establishing, amen, that Jesus is the son of God. But I want to say this, that even for some of us that are shut in like the disciples were after Jesus was crucified. Amen. And Jesus is appearing to them because they're shut up in the house because they are afraid because of all that is going on. Amen. At the time here, they are just like we are shut up in the house. Jesus comes in and he says, hey, it's me. 
I need you to know I'm here. And I believe that God is doing the same thing with us right now. Hallelujah. He is letting us know that he is with us. Hallelujah. Walking in the midst of our circumstance, coming into the house with us. Hallelujah. While we're shut in. Amen. Glory to God. But that's not the point of this verse that I'm reading. But I just want to share that because it's appropriate. Hallelujah. Amen. And so he said, reach into thy hand. I'm back in 27 and thrust it into my side and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, my Lord and my God, Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. And it's a poor translation for the same book. It really means the word is scroll because they didn't have a book. They wrote on scrolls and sent scrolls out. So the letter came in the form of a scroll. Amen. But these are written that you might believe that what? That Jesus is the what? Christ. I want y'all to unmute your phones for one second. That's on mute. Because I'm going to ask you a question. That Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. We are establishing the fact that Jesus is Lord. Okay? He said, but these are written that ye might believe. You need to highlight that. That, that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life, hallelujah, through his name. Glory to God. So, looking at these verses of scripture, here's Jesus, amen, talking to Thomas. What did, what did, what was Thomas's response to Jesus? What did he call Jesus? What did he call him? My Lord and my God. My Lord and my God, <coughs> excuse me, amen. And so what must we believe in order to have eternal life? What does the scripture say? That we must believe in order to have eternal life. Say it again. Go ahead, everybody saying it, go ahead. That Jesus is the Christ. Uh-huh. What say you, Sister Kim? Okay, but what what did we read just now in the scripture? What does the scripture say right here in this verse? In order for us to have eternal life, what do we need to believe? That Jesus is the Christ and Jesus, Son of God. That he is the Son of God. That Jesus is the Christ and that he is the Son of God. Period. The scripture establishes it. Question it if you want to. But the scripture establishes it. It's plain. We must believe that Jesus is the Christ and that he is the son of God. John 4, 42. Hallelujah. I'm going to give you this. And, and what does, and the reason why I want to draw, before we go to John 4, 42, what, what does the word Christ mean? What does that mean? Anybody know? Anointed one. Anointed one. The anointed one. Amen. The consecrated one. The one who is smeared with oil. He's the one who's been smeared with oil for this assignment to save the world. Hallelujah. Glory to God. His last name ain't Christ. Christ describes who he is and what he is. Hallelujah. That he is the anointed. So you hear people say Jesus Christ. Jesus is, is the Christ. 
He is the anointed one. He is the one who has been smeared with oil. He's not, that's not his last name. His last name ain't Christ. Hallelujah. Okay? Just your name might be John Smith. That your first and your last name. Okay? So let's establish that. Some people don't know that. Some people are not aware of that. Amen. Hallelujah. So we must believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, in order to be saved. John 4 and 42 says, We have heard for ourselves and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Listen, they heard it for themselves. And no, listen, these are eyewitness accounts. These are eyewitnesses accounts. Amen. Hallelujah. In the book of John, he says, we have heard for ourselves and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. You can also look at John 8, 42, Luke 19 and 10, Matthew 16, verses 15 through 18. Amen. Also, chapter 10 and verse 37 and also John chapter 1. In verse 1 and also verse 14. You need to understand that these claims that we are just we just finished reading off, there's no room for compromise. There's no room to stretch. There's no room to say, eh, he might be, he could be. Uh-uh. There's no room for no compromise for that. We cannot say that the Bible is just a book. You can say it if you want to, but we have proof that it is the very word of God. It is the revealed will of God. Hallelujah. That's right. Amen. Jesus is not, he was not just a great man. He was not just a prophet. Come on. Amen. He's, the Bible says that this is God's word that we are reading. It's God's word and Jesus is God in the flesh. Amen. God in the flesh. Hallelujah. I'm getting happy looking at these scriptures. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. If these claims are not true, our salvation is null and void. That means that the Bible is a farce. That means that Jesus is a liar. And we know good and well that that's not the case. When we look at our lives and where he has brought us from, the changed life is currency. A transformed life is currency. We are the proof of the power of this word and the sacrifice that Jesus has made. You have other religions. There's no, you don't see their lives transformed. They got rules and regulations, but there's no transformation of a life. Come on here, somebody. They're doing things through works, but this is all faith. Trust in God, trust in his word and seeing as we look at his word, seeing as we grow in grace and grow in the knowledge of the Lord, we see, hallelujah, glory to God, that God's word is true. So what kind of evidence are we going to be studying in the weeks to come? Amen. Hallelujah. We're going to look at the fact that first John chapter four, verse 12 says that God, the father is invisible. You haven't seen him. You, you don't see him, but you know, he's there. You can't perform a laboratory experiment to try to prove that God exists. But that does not mean. You know what I'm saying? That does not mean that you have to accept by blind faith. No, we're looking at proves that God is who he says he is. Jesus, Jesus in the scripture claims to be the son of God. And he is. 
and we're going to be able to see as we investigate, because that's what we're going to do. We're going to investigate with history, with scripture. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God that this is indeed a fact. When you when they went to look for his grave, he was not there. But when they went, if they went to go look for Mohammed's bones, they was there. Confucius' bones, they was there. Jesus got up like he said he was. Come on here, somebody. Hallelujah. There, there we go. We're talking, about, we're talking about the resurrection Sunday message before we even get there. <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on now. Hallelujah. But every claim of the scripture can be investigated by logical and historical evidence. Every claim in scripture can be investigated by logical and historical evidence. Okay? In our lives every day, we have to determine our beliefs on the basis of this kind of evidence. <clears throat> you live what you believe. If you don't believe this, you're not going to live this. And I'm convinced this is why people are unstable. This is why people, amen, cannot grow. This is why people believe this today, tomorrow they don't, all over the place, don't know what they believe. You know what I'm saying? We're following prophecies, but we're not following the scripture. And we got to get this, amen, and understand that everything about how we view this world through the eyes of scripture is going to determine how we behave, the choices we make, the places we go, what we connect or disconnect from, how we carry ourselves, everything. And, and, and so that's an indictment for some of us, because if you believe, then there is certain behavior that is demanded of you because you believe. Hello, somebody. Because you believe it is a demand, hallelujah, that you follow living a certain way. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Okay. Okay. So example, a hunter may not see an animal, but he can look at his footprints and knows that he exists. Come on here, somebody. He knows that much about nature. I don't know where he is, but I know that there's a difference between the bear paw print and a and a dog paw print and a deer paw print and when I see the print I may not see the deer I may not see the bear I may not see the dog but I see the print glory to God I'm gonna holler up in here I see the print and because I see the print I know that he is there that's what a hunter does and based off of that the hunter goes out into the wood searching for what he has not seen but only saw for a footprint Listen to me. God have left his footprint in the earth and we can follow these footprints to find him, to search for him, to for him to reveal himself to us. Hallelujah. You may not know that he's there for real, for real. You have not seen him, but you see his footprint. Glory to God. You see his footprint. And because you see his footprint, you know, uh-huh. That's God. That's God right there. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So just like God have done, he's done it all throughout time, all throughout what the, what the world will call the sands, the sands of time, all throughout the sands of time. You will see God's footprint in the earth, him showing that he is here. You don't see him, but you see the footprint. You don't see the, You don't see him manifested physically. But you see the footprint. So, and that footprint lets you know that God exists. 
Hallelujah. A judge and a jury don't physically observe a crime. The crime has already been committed. They don't know everything. They just look at the evidence. They listen to the testimonies. Based off of the testimonies and the evidence, they come to a conclusion about the case. Come on here, somebody. So, even so, let's look at Acts chapter 14. Listen to me. God left a footprint. God left evidence. Acts chapter 14. Let's go to that. We are establishing that the Bible is the word of God. We are establishing that Jesus is Lord and that he is the son of God. That this is going to help to cultivate our worldview. If we are believers and don't have a biblical worldview, we will live short of what God has commanded us. And we will not be able. We talk about this is our season. It's our time. We're going to fulfill our assignment. How are you going to fulfill your assignment when you don't even know what you believe? You got John 3, 16. That's wonderful. I need you to go beyond that. You need to be able to establish yourself in the faith and know, amen, what the Bible says. So let's look at uh, Acts chapter 14. We're going to Acts 14 and let's look at verse 17. It says, nevertheless, oh my God, hallelujah. Nevertheless, he left not himself without witness in that he did good and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. Just like the judge and the jury looks at the testimony of the witnesses. God have left witness in the earth. He have left witness in the earth that he exists. He have left witness in the earth that his word is true. He have left witness in the earth. And what is that witness? Amen. We're going we're gonna to call God's witness. Like the scripture tells us. Romans 10 and 17 tells us that. Let's look at Romans 10, 17. Let's read it. I don't want to just quote. I want to read it. Let's go to Romans 10 and 17. Romans chapter 10. Verse 17. I'm giving you plenty of Bible. Hallelujah. Romans 10 and 17 says, amen. So, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. God let us call God's witnesses. And then you're going to have to be the judge about whether or not the word of God is true, whether or not Jesus, amen, is the son of God. You're going to have to weigh in on this testimony honestly and reach a verdict. Why? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We're going to hear what this word say. Let's hear this case, the case for Jesus, the case for salvation, the case for the word of God being true, the case, amen, of whether or not this is God's word or is it a farce? Let's hear God's case. Let's hear his witnesses. Amen. You're not determining, determining the guilt or the innocence of somebody else, but you're going to determine your own eternal destiny. Where are you going to spend eternity based off of what you learn, what you believe and what we discover looking through the scripture. So we're going to look at these witnesses because remember, we don't see them, but we see his footprint. Hallelujah. We see his footprint. First, the first witness that we call into the stand today. Hallelujah is the witness of the universe that it exists, 
the existence of the universe. And I know that you scientists are going to talk about the Big Bang Theory, you know, um, you know what I'm saying? All this, the, the theory of evolution. And I was trying to find a paper that I wrote when I was in college in my English class. Amen. Um, um, um. On Darwin's theory of evolution, amen, and natural selection. I wanted to be able to reference that because I wrote a paper on that some years ago, amen, while I was in college. And, and you know, we're following scientists and the world follows a theory that has no proof. There's no footprint that proves that Darwin's theory is correct. But God has left his footprint. All throughout the eons of time, God has left his footprint. So we're going to look at that. Nobody can deny the, exist the, the existence of the universe. You can say what you want, but you live here. You're here. How can you deny it? You can't deny it. The question is, what is the origin of the universe? Darwin wrote the origin of the species. A bunch of malarkey, hodgepodge, garbage. You know what I'm saying? All these theories. He was he was a backslider who was exacerbated by life. And because he was he was at his wits end, he started believing in false things. And in the end, they say that he came back to Jesus. They say we don't know. OK, so you have two explanations that are available for the origin of the existence of the uh, universe. OK, so let's talk about two. There's an all-wise and all-powerful God. That's this is this is a uh, reason number one or explanation one. God and He created it. Number two, some of the thoughts are that matter is eternal and beginning from an original simple life form. All living things develop gradually over millions of years by a process called evolution. Okay, we're gonna have to consider these two views. Based on evidence, not based on, well, I think, I believe, why we got to talk about this? Because you're a believer. And if your faith is in the word of God, and if you, and if the Bible is just a book, and if Jesus is just a good man, then your eternal destiny is lost. And so you must be able to establish why you believe what you believe. And this is why it's hard for some people, even in the midst of what we're going through right now, to have faith because they can't prove. They don't look at God's footprint. You have faith, but how do you have faith? You have faith, why? In what? How can you prove it? What is, what are the proofs? What witnesses are you calling? Remember, we read in Acts, God left it, did not leave himself without witness. All through all eternity, all through life, amen, all through the years, hallelujah, the sands of time, he did not leave himself without a witness, okay? So either God created the universe or this is a process of evolution, okay? And so we're going to consider these two views based on evidence, okay? So let's look at number one, life comes from life. Let's look at Acts chapter 17, <coughs> excuse me. I hope I'm not losing y'all. I hope I'm, I'm hoping that you're still tracking with me here. Acts chapter 17. And I'm going to make space for us to answer questions in a few minutes. Because I get excited and I forget about the time. And we'll be all up in here. <laughs> Amen. Acts chapter 17. And let's look at <coughs> verse 24. 
I'm excited about God's word. Hallelujah. And it says, but God that made the world and all things therein, who made the world? God that made the world and all things therein. And if you got any questions, go back to Genesis 1. Did we quote Genesis 1? In the beginning, God created. Amen. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples. Listen, we need, let, let me just say this before I proceed, because this is a virtual Bible study. We all on lockdown all over the country. Hallelujah. Everybody's fussing about, fussing about, you can't just have, you can't have no church. You can't be the church without gathering. We are gathering. We're gathering virtually. Look at the scripture. God dwelleth not in temples. Hello? God is so smart. He's so smart. I mean, I, I couldn't have planned this better if I tried. If I tried, who knew? All right. He is the Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worship with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things and have made of one blood all nations of men for, for to dwell on all the face of the earth and have determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. Hallelujah. That they should seek the Lord if happily they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As certain also of our your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. That's a mic drop. God just dropped the mic. <laughs> God just dropped the mic. Okay? What does this verse say about the origin of life? Okay? It says life was created by a living, wise, and powerful God. Life was created by a living, wise, and powerful God. Verse 24 says God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is the Lord of heaven and earth, Dwelleth not in temples made with hands. Skip down. Verse 26. And have made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on the face of the earth and have determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. He said, where you going to live? Where you going to be before time? Where the heaven was going to be, where the earth was going to be, where the, where the water would be, where the land would be, where man would be. Hallelujah. He determined what out where the boundary of our habitation. He could have put us in space if he wanted to, but he put us on earth. Yes. He determined. This is not no willy-nilly. It just so happened. Here's my question for the evolutionists, and we're going to get to that. But here's my question for the evolutionists. If evolution is is a is 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 a truth and not a theory. If evolution is a truth and not a theory, why are we not still evolving? Why has evolution discontinued? Why aren't monkeys still turning into man? That's my question. Why do we have to have babies? 
Because the Bible says that everything will bear fruit after its kind. That's why. And a monkey can't be a human or have a human. But a human can have a human. Come on. An apple tree begets another apple tree. A grapevine begets another grapevine. A tomato plant begets another tomato plant. Because everything will bear fruit after its kind. Because of the DNA that is in the seed, the genetic information, that's what we call it today, that is in that thing because God created it that way. You can change your sex, but you can't change your DNA. You can go and have as many surgeries as you want to, but the seed that is in you, the seed, your blood is going to tell. Then the scripture talk about he put, made us all one blood. The blood that is in you is going to tell your genetic material and you can change everything from the top of your head to the soles of your feet, but you can't change your DNA. Oh, glory. Hallelujah. 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 God is smarter than us. He knew before then that man would try to outsmart. You can't outsmart God. You can't outsmart God. Come on. One of the most firmly established laws of science is the law of biogenesis, which says that life only comes from living things. There is no evidence that dead matter can spontaneously generate life. The Bible, the Bible agrees with that scientific fact. Because it says life came from an eternal living creator. Who? God. So they got that part right. When you look at when you look at Acts chapter 14 and verse 15. Just go back a little bit. 14 and 15. Nevertheless, uh, we see that God left himself without did not leave himself without a witness. But Acts 14 and 15 says, and saying, Sirs, why do you say, why do you these things? We are also men like of like passions with you and preach unto you that you should turn from these vanities unto the who, what kind of God? Living God. Living God, which made heaven and earth and the sea and all things that are therein. Jesus, my God, the Lord did another mic drop. Y'all said whatever you want to say. This is God not leaving himself without a witness. And the scientists had to agree, hallelujah, that life can only come from life. God is a living God. He's not a dead God. Hallelujah. Amen. But you have to understand that evolution contradicts scientific proof. Evolution contradicts scientific proof. Since it requires dead matter. In evolution, it requires dead matter. At some time to spontaneously generate life. It's an impossibility. If, if you're saying your, your theory in science says that life can only come from life. How did something dead give birth to life? It's an impossibility. Your theories don't even line up. But God's word does. Hallelujah. But God's word does. So which view best fits the evidence? The, the view that fit, best fits the evidence is that God created us because something living can't come from something dead. If it's dead, it's dead. Try to get a dead body to give birth to something. It's not happening. How are you going to take matter and matter just created everything all by itself? 
this in, inanimate stuff. You know, just boom, 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 everything blew up and just happened. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you know what I'm saying, we just appeared. Just ridiculous. All right, so I'm going to stop right there. It's 840. This is so good. Hallelujah. When we when we come back next week, by God's grace, we'll begin with living things that re reproduce after their kind. We hit on some of that a little bit a few minutes ago. But I'll tell you what, this was good to me. Hallelujah. I'm excited about God's word. I'm thankful for his word. And I want us to be established in the truth, established in God's word, not moved by what we see, but firmly established in his word. So I want to open up the floor. If you're watching on video, amen, and you have any questions, please post your questions and I'll try to read them in the thread. If you have questions and you're here on Zoom and you want to ask, please ask. Amen. And we'll answer. Amen. So I'm going to um, leave it open for a second. Anybody have any questions, any comments or anything about what we've already studied thus far? Uh, the one and two about evolution. Uh-huh. I, I missed those. You were going really fast. <laughs> I was, wasn't I? One and two about Okay. What's it, what, what specifically about um, evolution? Point one was the existence of the universe. The witness. We're talking about the witness. The existence yeah. of you. That's still number one. We, life only comes from life. I guess that's right. Okay. Okay. So that's, that's, I would, all of that is one point. Okay. All that is one point. Num, n number, number two, we got, we got ways before we get to number two. Number one is establishing the witness of the existence of the universe and everything connected to the universe. So we're going to deal with all of that and establish the truth of God's word in that. Then we'll move on to number two. Yes, ma'am. Oh, I was saying that I have missed that point Okay, what specifically, points. huh? I said before the two points. I got the two points before that. Okay, well, tell me what you got and what 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 what, what did you get? What, what's the first thing that I you have? have? Two, I have two points of creation. I have that. One and two. Almighty God. Okay, that we have to either choose... If an almighty God created the universe, right? right? Or if matter is eternal and begins from some original simple life form, right? And that everything what that was created was created through the process of evolution. We have to if we were going through the proofs of either one or two is correct. And we are establishing that everything that was created was created by God. So you got it. That's the point. Okay. And and it is recorded on Facebook too. So you can go to the church page and be able to look at it on the church page as well. Okay. Okay. Amen. Anybody have anything else? 
Amen. Let's pray right now. Father, we just ask you right now, Lord, that you would touch Sister Kim. We come against any sickness, any disease, anything attacking her body right now, God, in the name of Jesus. We bind the hand of the enemy right now. We plead the blood. We thank you, Lord God, that healing is the children's bread, oh God, in Jesus' name. We cancel every assignment of the enemy, every work of the enemy, oh God, in Jesus' name. We come against fear. We come against dread. We come against anything that's not like you right now. We thank you, Lord, for your healing virtue. And even anybody else that's watching, Lord, we speak healing over them right now. Anybody else that's listening, even on the podcast, Lord, that you would touch them, God, bring healing and deliverance, even right now, thank you for your word, thank you for establishing us in the truth, thank you, Father, that you did not leave yourself without a witness, and that you're helping us to stand firm on your word, in the name of Jesus, and we thank you for it, we give you glory for it, in Jesus' name, amen, and amen, hallelujah, amen, Um. so we thank God, amen, thank God for everybody. From regular expenses to occasional splurges, there's a lot to buy. Why not get cash back every time you spend? With the PenFed Power Cash Rewards Card, you get cash back on every purchase. That's everywhere, every time you use it. You can even earn a $100 statement credit when you spend $1,500 in the first 90 days. Visit PenFed.org slash PowerCash to apply. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. From regular expenses to occasional splurges, there's a lot to buy. Why not get cash back every time you spend? With the PenFed Power Cash Rewards Card, you get cash back on every purchase. That's everywhere, every time you use it. You can even earn a $100 statement credit when you spend $1,500 in the first 90 days. Visit PenFed.org slash PowerCash to apply. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA.